So if you have a uh, St. Charles uh, City pool pass or uh, live in the area at all, there is a phenomenal chance uh, that you have seen uh, this, uh, maybe even from this vantage point. This is the slide at Waffle Horse, and um, talked about water slides some uh, this summer, so you guys remember my suction cup back to one of the Waffle Horse slides, gave me a hickey for a week. Um, this is relevant recently because I got to witness uh, something very special. I got to witness children peer pressuring adults who were afraid to go on this slide, and specifically uh, kids peer pressuring their parents. And specifically, my kids peer pressuring my wife, okay? So, <laughs> you know, it starts with uh, all, the, all the dads. Uh, we were, a big crew of us were there. All the dads, of course, in great triumph, uh, go down the slide. And then we're starting to test the envelope, you know. We're, like, pushing ourselves off faster, seeing if we can leave the slide. Uh, one time, I ended up, like, tucking my knees in, like, cannonball style going down. I got the whistle blown at me. You know, like, things like that. You know, you're... You're seeing how far you can, you can press the envelope. And so then, uh, just to kind of be bystanders, uh, some of the moms happened by. Well, then there proceeded to be this, this chant that started to come from the children for specific parents, calling them out, you know. And, and so they, they start chanting their name, and, and you begin to see the trepidation that's beginning to take over. And, and my wife, I didn't know that she had, you know, a heights issue or was afraid of slides maybe, but all of my kids are like, Heidi, Heidi, you know, they're like, they're like cheering her, and I mean, Heidi is like running away, like there is absolutely no way this is happening, right, and, and so I go up to Heidi, I'm like, seriously, like you're going to do this to our children, like you're really, you're going to do this to them right now, like this, this would mean everything to them, this would be bigger than a Christmas present, you know. And so, and so in lieu of my peer pressure, she starts like walking towards it and then she backs right away, right? She's like, no, this isn't happening, you know? And, and so the kids now make their way onto the, that little, you can see kind of the walkway and Heidi's standing down where you see some people and they're like now on the walkway, like Heidi, they're like slow clapping her to come up, you know? And so uh, eventually I, I start wrestling with, with this question uh, about Heidi. Uh, next slide. I, I, like, I, I start thinking like, just make up your mind, right? Because it's the, it's the indecision that's killing all of us right now, right? She's like two steps forward, three steps back. I'm a proud husband to say that my wife walked all the way up those stairs. The second time. The first time she got halfway and did the walk of shame. But the second time, the second time, took the plunge, was met with like a barrage of children hugging her at the end. You know, it was, it was super, super cool. ESPN was there. It was awesome. Um, <laughs> This, this, this statement is really, really interesting because all of us have come to many uh, moments in our life where we've had to make up our mind. We're, we've had to kind of go one way or the other. And so we've toiled, we've wrestled, you've, you've gone through the options, you've been burdened, uh, you, you've had tension over which decision would make uh, the best route for you to go. Um, so I, I've been thinking a lot about the mind recently, and uh, I've chosen some, some cultural uh, uh, folks and, and kind of want to get their perspective a little bit on, on the mind and wrestling in the mind. So let's look at this first quote. This should be interesting. Here's Confucius. Anything Confucius says must be right. Um, the more man meditates upon good thoughts, 
the better will be his world and the world at large. Okay, um, it, it's, it's interesting, right? Like, the more, like, I muster up positive thinking, then that's going to translate into positive action and then therefore a, a more positive world. All right, how about this uh, next one? This is uh, attributed to Buddha and the writings and teachings of Buddha. We are what we think. All that we are arises with our thoughts. A lot of onus on, on your strength and your power to, to kind of infiltrate uh, the mind. Interesting uh, thought. And uh, finally here, this is really interesting, uh, coming from Charles Darwin. The highest possible state in moral culture is when we recognize that we ought to control our thoughts. Well, my problem is every single one of these quotes damns me. Because I feel like my thoughts at times are somewhat out of control. Anybody else? So I'm like, I'm like looking at this like the highest possible stage in moral culture. I don't even know what that is. Is when we recognize that we have to control our thoughts. And, and, and so somehow... It's like on me to, to take control of my thoughts. And so I'm, I'm, already, I'm already born into a situation in life where I'm in need of a savior. And then all three of these systems further damn me because they heap more and more burden on top of me. So in other words, many of you are existing in this tonight you're already burdened by the sin that you exist in, and then the systems from the culture are adding more burdensome thought to you. It's, hey, you can work your way out of it. Listen, just take control of your thoughts. Listen, if you just have nice thoughts, the world is going to be a better place. And so it's like, it's double damnation. You're already born as a sinner in desperate need of a savior, and now on top of it, even the moral systems of our culture are heaping it on deeper and more intense. Uh, I've, I've been burdened for a long time in, in already looking at this. This is our shortest uh, verse section in Philippians. Two verses tonight. I'll guarantee you we're going to look at many more than just two, pass, uh, two verses. Um, but tonight, we're going to dive into the biblical doctrine of the mind. It's such a powerful, powerful agent. I would say, pun intended here, like very, very confused about it. Most of us are. And so listen, um, I was telling the guys earlier, I can already see that God can do an incredible work of freedom in this room tonight. And so I'm going to pray that that happens, and then we're just going to go for it. Is that cool? And it's going to be a journey, all right? So let's pray for freedom. Let's pray that um, all the stuff that we come in here wrestling with, that, that God would maybe help us for the first time in a long time, even as Brandon prayed, that he'd help us rest in him, all right? So let's pray in power and strength. Come on. So, Father God, I come to you, to your throne, through your son, Jesus. And I thank you that first we have access to you, that we can talk to you, that we can pray to you. And I'm just saying right now that we absolutely need you to come in this moment and teach us and convict us and grab our hearts and draw us to yourself, God, right now in this moment. I'm praying that you would stir our affection for you, that you would give us an image of your character that we can't run from, and that those who came in here distant from you, God, would find nearness to you as a blessing, as a gift as something that they can have. So we love you, Father, in your great name. Amen. So open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. We only have two more weeks this week and next in Philippians, and then we'll be moving onward. Um, 
share that with you here in a couple weeks where we'll be headed. So I want to start where Jared uh, so wonderfully ended last week, and that will set up uh, our encouragement for tonight. Here's where he ended in verse 6 and 7 of Philippians chapter 4. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. An overwhelming thought. I loved how Jared presented it. Listen, like, just keep going to the Lord in all things, in all ways. Here's the promise in verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, which means it's so peaceful you can't even comprehend it, which, like, think about that kind of peace, right? And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your what? And your minds in Christ Jesus. So we have uh, anxious thoughts. We bring those things to the Lord, and then in bringing them to the Lord, He apparently hears our prayers, and then He guards our hearts and our minds in Christ. And so now, uh, these two verses that are certainly theme verses of chapter 4 in Philippians, verses 8 and 9. Finally, brothers, and remember, this is like the second finally, actually the third so far in Philippians. So you're like, and finally, and more, and I still am not done, right? Finally, brothers, here we go. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, Whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, what does he say? Think about these things. Allow these things to infiltrate your mind. Allow these things to dominate your thought. Verse 9, he says, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And it seems like another promise here at the end, and the God of peace will be with you. Well, next slide. I'm really honed in to this thought. Think about these things because I'm looking at the list and I'm even thinking about what I think about while I pray, let alone how hard it is to think about these things. Seriously, like think about the things that you think about when you're praying, right? You're like, you're, like, you're starting to go for it and you're pleading to the throne of God. You're like, did the Cardinals win yesterday? Right? You're like mid-sentence, repentance, right? You're like, God, I'm just so thankful for your word. I'm pretty sure I, the stove is on right now. Like, did I leave the stove on, right? And, or you're like, you're asking God, God, please, right now, you know, in this, this season of my life, you take stress away, and in your mind is like populating the 30 tasks that you have coming up. So if while we're praying to the Lord, we struggle thinking about these things, I'm, I'm kind of burdened, like, then how in the world does this happen? So let's look at the list as a list, because maybe this will help us. True, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellence, worthy of praise. The opposite of these things uh, looks something like this. So, I'm not going to poll the audience. Which of these lists do you feel like right now as you come in here tonight dominate your thinking? We should answer that just for fun. <laughs> it's like the most quiet time of the whole night when the phone rings. It might be the Lord, you know? Right? Which, which, of these, which of these lists would you say dominates your thinking? Now, Paul's teaching on the mind uh, is not just coming up. Okay, here's some of the thoughts that he has had uh, in Philippians. Check this out. He says in Philippians chapter 1, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you. You are standing firm in one spirit with what? One mind striving side by side for faith in the gospel. Now, why does he want one mind in the church? Remember, 
This church in Philippi is getting ready to get uh, a different kind of teaching, some kind of pre-Gnosticism mixed with some other forms of, of even in the time, uh, some new age kind of teaching, anti-Christ teaching. And so he's like, listen, I want you to remain in one mind, have the same uh, mind. He then says later in chapter 2, in two different verses, complete my joy in verse 2, by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of, again, one mind. Have this mind, he says, a couple verses later, among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. It, these verses, it, they kind of make it sound easy. Have this kind of mind, have this kind of way of thinking, but I'm going to be the first to admit, as I look at those lists, like it's, it's almost overwhelming. And I want to propose to you, it's been overwhelming to me because of how I have viewed those lists. Tonight, transformation in that. So let's now walk through a New Testament doctrine of the mind. You guys ready to go? Let's begin here with the mind problem. Okay? Let's look at the first problem. Romans 8 says this. For to set the mind on the flesh is what, everybody? Let me remind you, that's not a good thing, as it were, in this verse, okay? So to set the mind, to have the mind consumed on the things of the flesh, we would say in our language here, the old man or the man pre-Christ. To set your mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and a peace. So this is how every single one of us are born. We're born into this kind of thinking. If you have kids, you know this precisely, okay? The children think with a a self-focused, self-righteous kind of mind until prayerfully they, they come to Christ. It's so much fun now in our house. So, uh, we just baptized Avery uh, back in mid-June and, and we had been praying for the salvation of all three of my kids and it's so much fun now like celebrating the salvation that we see in Avery and now pleading for my two sons. But they do. They need the spirit to come and regenerate their hearts because they're born with a mind that thinks about the flesh. The problem continues in this verse. But he turned and said to Peter, this is Jesus, get behind me, Satan, not a term of endearment. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your what? You're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. So Peter now shows, even being around Jesus, exposed to healings, listening to the teachings, watching the authority, even Peter shows, like, you can be amidst it. And yet he tells Jesus to his face, like, I don't, I don't think you need to die. And so Jesus is like, no, 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 you don't understand. Like, my death is going to pay for your ransom. And trust me, Peter, you're going to need it. You're going to deny me. And he says, get behind me. Your mind is not set on things of God. A third facet of the problem. And you, who once were alienated, and what's the word there? Hostile in mind. That's how we're all born. We're born with a problem that is hostile in mind towards God. We think sometimes in our language that if you're anti-God that, that, and you can still somehow be a, a good person we use that kind of language I want to contend to you if you don't know the Lord Jesus you are hostile in mind to the Father that's it okay and, and, and I don't mean uh, for that in any way to be abrasive I just mean for it to be the truth for you okay so if you're not with the Lord then you're against the Lord we, in our cultural Christianity, we create like multiple layers. We have a black, a white, a gray, a pink, a red. We, we create all kinds of layers when there is only black and there is only white. You're either with him or against him. That's it. There is no gray. And finally, we see the problem fleshed out here more in Ephesians chapter 2. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins 
in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Check this out, verse 3. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Again, that's how we're born, children of wrath. You're born with a mind that is for yourself and anti-God. Are we all together? It's important for you to know that. So as we build biblical doctrine, it begins with we're born with a problem. And the problem, listen, just isn't in our heart. That's how we've learned to talk. It's like, and, and my heart for the Lord. But what about my mind for Christ? I mean, because I'm going to show you a ton of text tonight. So apparently it's, it's not just the, the heart that's an issue, but there's something also that's going on in the mind. Okay. So this is the problem. Now let's keep building some blocks on what the mind commands are in Scripture. Many of these will be familiar. Matthew 22, you guys know this one, some of you. And he said, uh, he said to him, does Jesus, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. It's interesting, right, how we segregate those things. We'll say, uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm really passionate about the Lord. And what we mean by that is, like our heart beats out of our chest. And we show a lot of emotion uh, for Christ. But I would be willing to bet that many of you, when you think about like all your heart and soul, like you, you, you separate those things. And that somehow my heart can be for Christ and my mind can be distant. Or my mind can be for Christ and my heart can be distant. But that's not what Jesus commands. This is in response to the greatest commandment. He says, you shall love the Lord your God, a previous slide, with all your, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind powerful commandment. He adds this, then check this out, in Ephesians 4, says Paul, now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, but as a command in the futility of their minds. So what they used to do, you're now to walk with a different kind of mindset. So far, we've all heard these teachings before, those of us in Christ. And it has become a, like, a cultural relativism. It's, it's become a, okay, yeah, like, I just need to make up my mind. That's what I need to do. I'll make up my mind. I'll control my thoughts. I won't walk as, the, you know, as we used to. I won't think like I used to, but there's something deep happening in all this. The third mind command, check this out, I want to show you. Colossians 3, we've already seen a variation of this. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are, are on the earth. And finally, check this out. The mind commands, therefore, preparing your, I love this, your minds for action. As a dude, like when I think of action, I, I think of like biceps and triceps and quads, all of which I have none of, right? And, and like I think, of, I think of the physical, I think of the, the things that my, my hands are going to get dirty, but that's not what Peter says here. Preparing your minds for action. And being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So we have a problem, and yet there are commands. So there has to be some tie that binds, right? We're born with a mind that's anti-God, and yet we're commanded to have a mind that is for God. So what in the world happens then? Like, what are we to do? So when, when we see the text in Philippians 4, verse 8, that we're to think on these things, so are we just like right now, like supposed to put on some, some nice, you know, like, you know, maybe like a, some waterfall music or something 
and then I just, you know, speak over you in almost a trance kind of way. Listen, we're going to start thinking on these things. Is that the answer? Or is there something, there's something else? Next slide. Check this out. How does the mind problem turn into obeying the commands about the mind? How do these things find themselves connected? Well, I want to show you one of my favorite texts in the scripture. And my friends, oh my goodness, the Lord has showed so much through this. Okay? Check this out in Romans chapter 12. The mind change. Here we go. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Okay, okay. So how do I marry the problem with the commands? What Paul says in Romans 12 is, that there's a renewing that happens in the mind. Now, what that word is in the Greek is quintessential because it's only seen twice in the New Testament. Cue the Greek word. Check this out. This will make you all seem so smart, okay? Here's your next tat right there, okay? Anakinosis is renewal. Everyone say that with me. Come on. Anakinosis, right? Just like walk out and just say that randomly to people like, anakiosis to you and to you, anakiosis, right? Now, it means renewal, so you're saying like something good, you know? Oh, renewal to you and a renewal to you, right? Now, the other place in Scripture that, that this word finds itself is in this amazing passage in Titus. Check this out. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and, right? and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. All right, now we're getting somewhere. How does my problem embrace a command well, the thing that is in between is the Spirit. Is I profess Christ as my Lord and Savior, the Scripture promises that every believer will then be sealed with the Spirit. And what Romans 12 says is that I'm to embrace a renewal of the mind, and Titus shows us where that renewal comes from, the regeneration of the Spirit. Again, the only word shown in both those two times, connecting the Spirit's work, not just with what we would consider in here, but in everything. What he does in the spirit is he takes the old man and what Romans 8 says is sin no longer has, or Romans 6 rather, sin no longer has dominion over us. So we become new. A Corinthians tells us that the old man is gone, the new man has come, we're new creations. So our hope is, is that it's not just a pursuit of the mind or just a pursuit of the heart that when Christ transforms you, he transforms you. Every facet of you. There is no part left to the old man. He begins the sanctifying work. But you're like, Mark, it's a battle. Yes, we're going to talk about that. It's, the battle rages on, but sin no longer has dominion over us. We're no longer seen distant from God. Listen, if there's one thing you hear over and over here, please hear this tonight. When we are newly in Christ, we don't go back. We say it here all the time. He doesn't adopt us and then orphan us. No, my friends, once we're adopted, we are adopted. 
He goes on, does Paul, to tell his disciple Timothy, check this out, unbelievable. Many of you guys have misquoted this next slide. Check this out. Here we go. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is, your, which is in you through the laying on of hands. Here we go. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Okay, so now I go back to like some of those quotes, right? Control your thoughts. Well, now all of a sudden I'm starting to understand that part of like what's happening in my mind, which, come on, is doesn't it just feel like complete chaos at times? You, you lay your head on the pillow and you don't go to sleep for three hours because your mind is racing with all kinds of thoughts. Uh, you're sitting and you begin people watching in a restaurant. You're having lunch by yourself. And all of a sudden, like, you're, you begin processing all kinds of heavy-hearted, intense things, and you're, like, trying to shut your mind off, or you're trying to think about good things. You're like, what is happening in here? Does anyone ever feel that? Has anyone ever, like, just hit their mind or, like, done a drastic shake of the head? I do, okay? Like, I just, I just do. There'll be a thought that comes in my mind. I've called them here before. Like, you'll have, like, five-second moments where it's like, I think I should do this right now. The story I always share is Bob Costa said, had uh, come to speak at our, um, at our campus at McHenryan College. So Bob Costa's, right, like big deal, small dude, but big deal. And, um, and, um, and he like starts speaking, and I have this five-second moment, and I'm just like, if I stood up right now and started cussing out everyone, I would ruin my ministry. Like I just have that, I just had that random thought. And it's completely crazy, Right? It was like, I could stand up right now, just drop bombs all over this place, and I will be done with ministry, you know? I didn't do it, you know? Like, <laughs> spirit of self-control. But do you guys ever have these, like, weird random moments, you know, these thoughts that come in your mind? Like, every single time I go up in the arch, every single time, I'm like, I'm imagining myself jumping off and thinking that somehow God's going to give me the gift of flying. I just, I have the thought every time. And there's times I want to test him, you know? It's like, Lord, I really feel like you can make me fly, you know? <laughs> what a testimony to your goodness, right? Like, let's, let's do this. Now, what, what starts happening is we have to start recognizing that in Christ, some things change. That in Christ there are shifts. That in Christ what's happening, not just in here, but in here, there is a massive transformation. And I, I just, I want to get, I just want to get real practical. Okay? Next slide. In Christ what changes? Number one, what thoughts believers subject themselves to? This begins to change. You begin to process what you are going to subject your mind to. Before, you didn't care, right? It was the more the merrier. Who cares what I subject my mind to? Because th there wasn't a, a system of, of, of good and evil outside of mere morality. And so the mind was just like, I'm, look, garbage in, garbage out. It doesn't matter. This will seem funny. I don't mean this to be funny, but there was an album by a very popular rapper in the 90s who just came out with a brand new album I saw on iTunes. And, uh, like, on the album cover, it was, it was like this massive 
leaf, okay? And you can use your imagination there. And I remember, like, I'm a believer, but just, you know, the, like, the beat was awesome. And, and, and so I would, like, listen to these songs every once in a while. Like, when I was feeling a little, when I was feeling a little feisty, you know? I would, like, you know, and this was, again, I'm sorry, uh, you know, those who are 20 and under here, but we used to have these things called CDs, okay? We put them on a CD player, and it spun really fast, all right? And so I, I would put this CD in the CD player. I'm serious. Still to this day, still to this day, some of those songs will pop in my mind. And it is F-bomb city. I'll like all of a sudden like be driving down the road and randomly one of those songs will come into my mind and I'll like hear the words in my, in my mind. And so what we used to teach um, in a very cheesy fashion, um, I'm like, I'm really starting to see the value. When Christ renews your mind, when the Spirit does a work and He's transforming you, you begin to get sensitive to the things you subject yourselves to. Um, you start to discern. You start to see some things as completely detrimental to your thoughts. Uh, parents, let me talk to you for a second. Listen, if you think that somehow um, the Disney Channel is God's, like, gift to mankind, I just, I, I want to encourage you to take it show by show. Again, the things that have, like, sheep's clothing can often, uh, underneath, be a wolf, and they're coming after our kids. Like, I, I came down uh, the other day, and I was, my kids were watching the Disney Channel, and again, like, the Disney Channel, right? Like, what could be wrong with the Disney Channel? Mickey Mouse, man. And what they were promoting on the show was not just anti-God, but I mean, it was in rebuttal of God. And so, like, I know that those things affect the mind. I, I'm just, I'm asking you to process, what right now are you subjecting yourselves to that isn't embracing the renewal of the mind that God has given you in His Son Christ through the Spirit? I'm not going to make a list for you. I'm just asking you, like, what thoughts are coming in your mind because of the things that you're subjecting yourselves to. There's a transition. There's a shift. I love, I love, I love when I start seeing believers say, nope, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to watch that. I'm not going to listen to that. Not because of any, any sort of uh, legalistic reason, but just because, like, I want my mind to be protected. And so I can pray all day, like, God, protect my mind, and I can still, like, surround myself with garbage, and there's a little bit of a disconnect there. You guys understand what I'm saying? God, please protect my mind. And then I, I head into the trash zone. And then I'm like waiting on God to do the miraculous. Let's not test God to do the miraculous. He's already done the miraculous in your salvation. Number two, in Christ what changes what thoughts believers dwell on. The understanding of what provides joy has changed. Uh, men, you'll start seeing this very specifically. Uh, what used to be like waiting in the waiting in line at the restaurant and you saw this, this beautiful woman come by and you used to, to, to dwell completely on that thought and you used to go there and you used to allow your mind to think all kinds of things in that moment. Um, now in Christ, you begin to share in the victory of seeing that woman and your thoughts and your, your eyes and your mind um, shift from that 
and you even like find yourself praying for her. <laughs> Something funny we did in college is we used to just like, we used to say shields up. Um, so when we were in a group of guys, don't judge me. When we were, <laughs> when we were in a group of guys and like a really attractive female came in the room, one of the brothers would just say shields up. And so we all knew like there was someone like smoking beautiful in the room, right? <laughs> so we all be like, you know, like, right? And then, and then we started training one another that instead of like dwelling on the thoughts, we would just thank God for their beauty, you know? God, you've really blessed her. Like, thank you so much. You've done a good work. You've done a good work, Lord. But it, it's... <laughs> There's errors in that kind of way of thinking. <laughs> but the heart, I think, was right. Like, we don't want to dwell on these things. And, and when your mind is renewed, like, you find, listen, you find desire... You're seeing the desire to not dwell on some of these things. Um, uh, one of the things we talked about a couple weeks ago is your past. In Christ now, you, you find your mind, and it's being renewed. You find your mind not wanting to dwell on the past in terms of the condemnation that it's brought, but as a reminder to the grace that he's extended. And so the, the dwelling like starts to shift. And listen, I don't want in any situation or in any case to like be oversimplifying these things. Guys, I'm telling you, we're in a battle, okay? The war of the old man and the new, like it is there. Paul made it clear it's there. And I want to only extend grace to you guys in this journey because I'm right along with you here. But we're going to get somewhere tonight. Number three, in Christ, what changes? I love this. Come on. With thoughts, believers believe. What you used to see as a lie, you now see as truth. What you used to see in your identity, as he renews your mind, you begin to claim victory in. A battle, yes, I confessed several weeks ago, like even walking up to preach, hearing lies from the enemy that was cussing me out and saying, you shouldn't preach tonight, you need to go sit down, and on and on and on. But you start believing in the truth of God's word versus cultural niceties or nice quotes. I love the measure of truth has changed. Isn't that cool? So l let me just make sure. Like the measure of truth has changed, believer. That measure of truth is God's word. Are we together? Like the measure of truth has changed. Okay. God's word. Number four, I love this. In Christ, what changes? What thoughts believers pursue? So it's not just like me walking around, not dwelling on my situations. It's now my thoughts are pursuing something. Okay. So again, like God's word isn't just a nice textbook. It's not just a nice way to, you know, enjoy relationship with God. God's word is a way for my mind to be enveloped with God. And again, I, I used to believe that somehow that, that this was like something that I really wanted so that people would applaud my knowledge. But as I've grown I've learned that the more that I know about God, the more I'm entrenched in His love. Like the more I know of His character, listen, the more I want to be near Him. And what I used to think is that somehow like I could just, I could grow my accolades, I'll, I'll become more knowledgeable, people will think I'm super smart. I've like left those things behind. I want to know God because the more I know Him, the more I enjoy our relationship. And so in Christ, like you see that renewal of your mind begin to shift and you see yourself pursuing 
the Lord and pursuing things that are going to invade your thoughts and take over the old man. And finally, number five, in Christ, what changes? Who, who, here we go. What thoughts believers pray for? Thoughts are proactive, not just defensive. When was the last time you prayed for your thoughts? Uh, when was the last time that you, uh, you felt your heart going somewhere and you felt your mind like starting to judge and you instantly were like, God, right now in this moment, I pray that you would protect my mind. I'm beginning to go through the checklist. I've just met someone new. I can feel my mind judging them already. God, come in my heart right now. Come in my mind completely. Transform what I'm thinking so that I can see them through the same lens that you do. When was the last time you pleaded that in your heart while you were saying, hey, how are you? That's what praying consistently or all the time or in every circumstance means. It means I'm saying, hey, how are you, sister? And we're, we're sharing in love. And we're, but if anything in my mind or the brother of anything in my mind, I find myself asking God to come in and to shape it and to pull my dwell away from judgmental or, or hateful thoughts or, or, or thoughts of discord and instead embrace every thought that would come from him. Now, this starts getting exciting to me. Like I start thinking now, Instead of just saying, hey, everyone, think about the good things. I start saying, like, hey, don't think about the good things. You can think about the good things in Christ. Like, it's yours. Uh, next slide. So as I look at these things, as I begin to look. Uh, next slide here, Andrew, for me. As you begin to look at this list, finally, brothers, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, praise. Listen, even for us in Christ, sometimes they're damning because you're like, how can I think about these things? And instead, I want you to think and know you can think about them. It's possible. Before Christ, it would have all been mustering up. It would have all been in some moral pursuit. It would have all been for your own gain. But now... Because of the renewal of the mind, because of the regeneration that the Holy Spirit is doing in all of you, the transformation that's happening in all of you, now you can think about those things. And I believe that's a reason to celebrate. And I believe that's a reason now, like, not to sit in condemnation, right? Because we could put up the list again and we could all say, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling. But what if together we just said, by the grace of God, like, okay, yesterday was yesterday. But my mind is being renewed by the Spirit of God. I'm going to rest in His grace, and I'm going to keep moving. Because that's how I've entered this. Like, I started reading this, and I was like, how can I even, like, how can I even teach on these things? Because I struggle with this. I struggle with this kind of mindset. And as I've been preparing and teaching, God's been honing my heart. Something else has happened. And I want to bring you into that. Before that, check this out. Verse 9, Paul ends. This section by saying, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. The God of peace will be with you. So Paul is saying, like, I, I've embraced this kind of mindset. And it's been fruitful. It's been helpful. It's been more than shaping. It's become me. And I think that's Paul's heart. As he desires his children in Christ or his churches to know that what happens when your identity changes is your identity changes okay so um i was still like as in this whole journey i was still missing something i was still like but 
but I, I really, like, for my heart, for the hearts of my friends, like, what God do you really want to communicate? And then, next slide, Matthew 27. Oh, my dear goodness. When morning came, all the chief priests and the elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And they bound him and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate the governor. You're like, Mark, like, what in the world does this have to do with anything? Let me show you. Verse 3. Then when Judas' betrayer saw that Jesus was condemned, you guys see it? What? Come on. He changed his what? He changed his mind and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. They said, what is it? What is that to us? See to it yourself. They're like, listen, it's over. It's done. And throwing down the pieces of silver into the temple, he departed and he went and hanged himself. Acts chapter 1 says that his intestines spill out on a field that's called the Akeldama, which means the field of blood. Now we have some tough questions. He changes his mind and then hangs himself. Can I ask you this? Is it repentance? Now, the word in the Greek is a little tricky. Okay. Because the word implies this like, this overtone of feeling sorry. Listen. What would Jesus have done? Come on. What would Jesus have done? If Judas falls at the feet of the Christ and he says, I was wrong. I betrayed you with a kiss and I'm so incredibly sorry. I'm not even worthy right now to be in your presence. But would you, would you welcome me again? What would grace do, my friends? Peter experienced, maybe what we would say, even the same thing. Betrayal. What happens? Jesus, in his grace, restores him. My point is, I and you have been trained to change your mind. But my friends, it is possible to change your mind and merely be remorseful and not repentant. If he was repentant, he goes to the feet of Christ believing that grace, forgiveness would be his, not even knowing the full impact of the cross yet. He would, know, he would have known the identity of the Lord Jesus that would have welcomed him and shared with him. Instead, he hangs himself. I'm not going to make a judgment on, on where he is in eternity. What I am going to say is he was not repentant. And that's where I feel like we've trained the mind. We've said, hey, listen, make up your mind. Come on, change your mind. That means you, when you sin, when you, when you feel distant, that means you feel sorry. You get remorseful. You intellectually engage. Next slide. This is what I fear that you'll, you'll leave here thinking. 
I need to make up my mind. You're like, tonight, sleep on the Bible. You know? Right? You're like back in your college days, your high school days. You're like, all right, before the test. Listen, I fear that we'll exist in one more day of this kind of mentality. Is anyone else tired of that? Just make up your mind. Just come on. Come on, people. Work harder. Think on good thoughts. Say it 17 times. I will think good thoughts. I will think good thoughts. Not resting in what you have as a, as a son of the Lord. Not, not resting what you have as a daughter of the king. Not resting in the renewal of your mind. I say instead of I need to make up my mind, here's what I want to plead tonight as a church. Next slide. It's, it's this. It's God take my mind. It's God have my mind. It's God fill my mind. It's Lord, I want you to infiltrate my mind with every facet of your word. I want you to write these things on my heart. Fill them with my mind. I pray God that you would overwhelm my thoughts with you. And I'm telling you right now, in the renewal of our mind, in the sanctification that's happening, you know what the scripture says? And the God of what? Come on, the God of what? Peace will be with you. Well, why? Because the God of peace is the one that takes the minds of his kids and he says, listen, I know things are rough. I know there's a lot of things to be distracted by. I know there's a lot of thoughts that can penetrate. I know there's a lot of lies that can make their way in. But I'm the God of peace. Because I take that mind of yours and what I do in renewing it is I see that lie and I carry over it a truth. Is I see that what you used to believe as the old man and I reshape it with who you are now in me. And I take those things that used to be insecurities and instead what I flood it with is security not in yourself but in me. The God of all peace, I'm praying tonight, will take our minds. Think about it. If our minds tonight could be freed by the power of Christ in the working of the Spirit in us, imagine the work that could be done. Not just the anxiety that could be released or the past that would go away or the future that's bogging us down, but my friends, the chaos that is pulling the God of peace, the fruit of peace away from us. What if tonight? We just said, God, take our mind. I'm tired of just trying to think good thoughts. God, take my mind. Uh, some of you have recently thought about suicide. Some of you can't get the thoughts of abuse out of your mind. Some of you, the pornographic images feel etched in there. Some of you heard words in condemnation to you. They're so far in there, they feel. I'm telling you tonight, the God of all peace can be our peace. What if tonight we just said, God, take it all. Like, take our mind. Let's stand together. Come on.
I just want to give you space and time right now. I don't know what thoughts exactly are the battle or the struggle. But just in your own way first and then corporately. If you feel so willing and so desirous, could you just pray that God will take your mind? That will fill it with him. That will overwhelm it with peace. Just take some time and plead that to him. Come on. Come on, church, let's pray in power. Father, I know you have the power to free us right now. I'm going to ask that you'll do that. I'm going to ask that anything that sits on the opposite side of that list tonight, that right now you replace it like only you can with the excellent things about you, with the purity of you with the righteousness of you. I pray right now, God, that you would take the thoughts that have been condemning us and damning us and holding back our character. I pray, God, I I just help me believe right now that you can do this. I'm praying that you'll wipe them away. In the name of your son, God, please cleanse our minds. And God, I pray that you would embolden us. That you embolden us, Father, to be subject to the right thoughts. That you embolden us, God, to repent and turn away from the things that we're allowing to infiltrate our minds. God, tonight, right now, in this moment, we trust you to take our minds. So take them all, God. In the name of your Son, 